Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this episode. It's about 5 a.m. here. You know, I couldn't sleep and I I used to get so stressed out by anxiety, right? And, and by waking up at 3 a.m. And these days, I kind of just embrace it when it happens. And I realized I wanted to publish this episode. And I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. It'll be quiet to record. I'm going to just get up and do it. So here I am, and I have to say I love this time of day so much because it is quiet and it's still, and it's, you know, it's still warm. We're in quite a bit of a heat wave here in Southern California, but it's, you know, it's not blazing hot. It's like a pleasant warmth. There's a little bit of a breeze. So that's where I'm coming at you from. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited about this episode because I thought I had lost it. I recorded this back in March with Gina Ryan, who is one of the most lovely, calming people I've ever had the pleasure of interacting with. And we talk a lot about anxiety and tools that she uses to to have this calm in her own life and tools she uses with her clients. She's just a delight, a delightful woman. And I, I thought I had lost the episode back in March when we recorded it. And it just recently, I was able to, to save it or find it <laughs> thanks to some Zoom help support. So you know, I learned a good lesson to always have a backup with recording. And I'm so glad to bring this episode into, into the world because I think it will benefit a lot of you. And I think you'll definitely get a lot of good info out of it. So we'll get right into that. Um, she did also offer a, a free meditation for all the listeners. So that's posted in the show, the show notes, you can go in and download that. And I love this topic for right now too. I'm I'm doing a lot of education around stress right now because I'm leading up into a a free webinar that I'm going to be doing in September. So that isn't open yet to register for, but mark your calendars for September 15th. It'll be in the evening, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And it's really going to be a talk about how stress and anxiety affects our nervous system and our lives. And then more importantly, what can we do about it? And I think this is incredibly important right now as we're still going on with COVID and, you know, a lot of us are falling into maladaptive behaviors or trying to cling to things that once worked, but maybe no longer do. Or what I'm hearing a lot of, and what I've been experiencing myself is just this sense of sludginess or overall, like a, a down tapping kind of, of our, of our systemic fields where we just feel a little bit more down than usual because of this like ongoing issue. So I, I think the talk will be, it'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to doing it and it should be educational and give you some really good tools as well. So mark your dates, mark your calendars for September 15th. I'm looking forward to that and I'll have a lot of time on my backpacking trip to, <laughs> to think about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to organize my content. As, uh, as with many of you, I'm sure when I'm out in nature and I'm hiking, it's when I have really some of my best ideas and insights, and I'm so looking forward to the time, the time out there. We'll go ahead and get into this episode. Thank you for being here. 
Uh, please share the podcast. I'm going to be switching to a different host soon, but I'll let you know when that happens. You should be able to follow me with ease. Yeah, please subscribe. Please tell a friend about the show, and it really does help us grow and, and get the word out with all of these really important topics and wonderful advice our guests give us. So thank you for listening, and please enjoy the episode. Have a wonderful day, and take take good care of yourselves. Hi, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby, and I have with me today a very special guest from the island of Maui, Miss Gina Ryan. She is the host of a top 50 health and fitness podcast called the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, and she is a wellness coach and a nutritionist. Hi, Gina. Hey, Dr. Alice. It's so nice to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to see you. And already in just our brief interaction, your energy is just so nice and calming. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure the people who, who work with you feel the same way and, and gravitate towards that sense of calmness that you seem to hold. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you. And thank you for that introduction, for saying that, because it's kind of interesting. We don't know how we come across to people right? Because we're coming from inside. And um, the more you're public, such as a podcast, or um, back in the day, I had, um, you know, a bigger practice in New York and um, work at the spa and the like, but to hear what people think about you, like, because they send me emails or, uh, and that it's just what you said, they pick up on uh, a sense of calm, a sense of ease, you talk about the voice. And so, we don't know uh, our gifts until people start telling us, you know, it's kind of interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. And, and I like that, that quality of, of resonance of being able to sort of feel a little bit, even through the screen of, of what another person holds and, and how their presence affects us. That's something I've Absolutely. been really enjoying through podcasting lately. Um, so tell us about yourself and about your work. I'm, um, I'm curious to learn more about you and what you do. And I know our listeners are as well. So take it, oh, take, cool. take it away. Tell us oh, about yourself. You. You're um, it's, it's, it's fun to be able to, to say it once in a while, look back on it. Um, it's a long history by the time you get to be my age. And it's uh, awesome because you can see the different chapters and how one thing really did lead to another. And, Nothing goes to waste, even our pain, even our uh, distress, traumas, um, anxiety. And so um, the, uh, the long and the short of the anxiety piece is that I had my own struggle with anxiety back in the 70s and the 80s, and I was an adult. And I uh, struggled, found my own way out through a lot of hit or miss, like nobody was talking about anxiety. Mm -hmm. Nobody, it was, um, you were nervous, you had the nerves, there was all kinds of different things. But so I find my own way out eventually. Um, and we can talk about those tools that I use now with my clients that the things that finally did work for me. Um, and then I, um, I actually became a nutritionist. I had natural products stores in New York. I had two of them and a big online presence when that came about. And um, eventually, all of, I did, did that about 12 years. Um, I closed those, came to Hawaii, and I still was a nutritionist, so I was working with eating disordered clients here. And over 
about 10 or 12 years of working with eating disordered clients, I, they really resonated with me and they really connected with me. And the other therapists would tell me that's so unusual because they usually don't like the nutritionist mm -hmm. or the dietitian because we're really triggering their issue and they don't really want to talk about it so much. Um, and I couldn't figure out why we could relate so well. They would, the clients would say to me, well, you, you know, tell me about your eating disorder. And I had not had one, but I realized, um, Alice, that underneath all of their symptoms and sensations and ways of acting out with food, they really had anxiety. They all had anxiety. There was not one that didn't. Um, so that stuck in the back of my head. And eventually um, I, I started, I realized what I was doing through my nutrition practice was also working with them on their anxiety level, along with their therapists and um, the psychiatrists on board. But I really uh, started being on podcasts as a nutritionist. I would get interviewed such as this. Mm -hmm. And um, this was about five years ago. And one person that interviewed me, um, I ended up working more with him. And uh, we did the podcast together for a little while. And then I he didn't want to do it anymore. And so he asked me, did I want to take the reins? And I did. And so now my practice is all anxiety. I no longer see inpatient. I had um, I used to have clients come to my home and uh, for nutrition. I don't see them like that anymore. Everything is online and mostly focused on anxiety. Although you can't pigeonhole these things, as you know, in your practice, everything overlaps and everything informs the other things. So um, that's a short journey as to, or the short story of how I got here and on the podcast. So um, now I talk to thousands of people uh, every twice a week and um, it, it really does give people hope. And I know you probably see that in your own practice. Once there, there's a sense of, I can do this. Other people have done this. And mm -hmm. It isn't a lost cause. I don't have to suffer forever. And, um, and that's kind of what we bring to the table is a lot of hope and all the tools, the lifestyle changes that people can make. I think that's wonderful. And, and thank you for sharing your story. It, it mm. is really neat to see the chapters. And I'm curious for you too, how the move from uh, New York to Hawaii was, because mm. that's quite a switch. <laughs> But I, I really love what you said about that piece of, of giving people a little bit of hope. Um, and I know for me when, because I work a lot with sober women, and for me when I was like first really even thinking about uh, trying sobriety for myself, I remember that was such a big piece for me was yeah. to hear other people talking and like seeing the other side to it. And just that that little tiny glimmer of hope. And I, I see this now from the other side that I'm the one who's able to, to offer some of this for some people. And it's, you know, I just remember how beautiful and how important that was for me yeah. to be able to move on. Um, and so I think it's, it's wonderful. You're doing your podcast twice a week and, and offering that for so many people because you can reach so many people through podcasting. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad you, you brought that up. And I am curious what, what brought you from New York to to Hawaii. I'm always curious how people come to live in Hawaii. Yeah, especially that you spent some time, a good amount of time on Kauai. Um, yeah, it is always an interest because everybody here has a story, you know, if you're a transplant. Um, so I had had 
my um, natural products stores in uh, New York, and I say New York, I don't mean the city. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget that people always think of the city, but they were, um, one was in Seneca Falls and one was in Skinny Atlas, New York. And I had had those for 12 years. I had, my kids had graduated from high school and I had gone through a divorce. And so I had to decide with my mother's store, I owned a building for the second store, but I had a lease on the first store and um, I had already extended a couple of years, but I was due to sign a 10 year lease. And I had to decide, do I, you know, am I going to invest this? Because my um, marriage partner was also, uh, he was also my uh, business partner in uh, that we ran the stores together. We were great. Uh, we both had very different skill sets. So we were a great team. So I actually made the decision that I didn't want to do it without him. Um, even though we had our own challenges and needed to divorce, um, I didn't, it wasn't going to, it seemed impossible actually to do it without his skill sets. And how was I going to hire that? And I looked at it, my parents were together still and both healthy at that time. And I said, this is an opportunity I may not get again. My yes. daughter was in Kauai, actually, and she was going to massage school. And I decided I was taking a three-month sabbatical. <laughs> three months. And That's I was going to go. Yeah. I went to, um, actually, I went to um, Big Island. I went to Kalani and did a, a, you know, some time there. And then I went to uh, Kauai to stay with my daughter for a month. And she said to me, Mom, you can't leave Hawaii without going to Maui. It's your island. Well, you know, when you're from New York or anywhere on the mainland, people say that too. You don't pay much attention to it, maybe. But I was—I thought it was kind of strange. Um, so I said, you know, I extended my ticket another month, came to Maui for a month, and immediately made lifelong friends. Like just that short time I was here, I... Um, I, I had met Alan Cohen, the author, and um, became befriended him and his partner D. And then next thing I know, another guy that I met through them was offering me his place in July when I came back. You can stay here until you find a place, um, you know, because him and his wife were taking the kids uh, to the mainland for the summer. So it's one of those kind of Hawaii uh, welcoming stories, mm-hmm. like it really was quite welcoming. And I went back to New York and I closed up my house and put it for sale and came back to Maui and the rest is history. Good for you. I I love hearing stories like this at any age, but especially when people are a little bit further along in their life of just being able to make these big changes that, um, you know, I don't know that maybe we wouldn't think that we can do once we get a little bit older or once we're more more settled when I did it. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And started the podcast when I was 60. So there we go. You can do whatever you want. And for those of you just listening, Gina looks like she's maybe in her mid forties. She's beautiful oh, skin. So sweet. It's oh. true. You have like hardly any wrinkles. I'm looking closely know, at I your really forehead. That's <laughs> my mother's 87 and she's just starting to wrinkle. Oh, be- wow. Wonderful yeah. genetics. Yeah. It's the Cuban skin, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm so I'm glad that you found your, your place. Yeah. Yeah. It was very welcoming. And so, you know, I figure I'm here till I'm not here anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
When you were going through your own difficulties with anxiety, I know you mentioned back in the 70s and 80s, what were a few of the things that you found to be particularly helpful to kind of get you to the other side of that and, and tools that maybe you still use in some capacity with your own clients or that you talk about on the podcast today? Absolutely. Great question. Um, because I, I tried a lot of things that didn't work. Now, I, I will start that with I did not ever use medication. The only thing they ever, my doctor ever at that time wanted to give me sleeping pills, probably Valium at that time, back mm -hmm. in those days. And I just knew in my gut, Alice, like I just followed my gut. Uh, I'm in a girl, I came of age in the 60s, so I know about things and drugs. And I was, I just knew that pharmaceutical drug for sleeping just didn't hit, hit me in the right way. Probably too much, I got too much of that free spirit in me or something. And um, I didn't use them. So I uh, ended up being able, I noticed that I couldn't sleep when I had caffeine. Mm -hmm. But at that time, it would, they were these teas I would drink at night. Now I'm more of a coffee drinker. But number one, and the thing I ask all my clients, the first thing to do, even before they take a medication and talk to their doctor about it, can we try this first? is giving up caffeine. And I actually know of psychiatrists that say no patient should be given a, um, uh, a pharmaceutical, mind-altering pharmaceutical prior to coming mm. off of some of these substances because they don't even do an inventory with people like what's your diet like or, so definitely caffeine. I had to give up caffeine and it made a world of difference. Hmm. So I didn't need a sleeping pill, but it doesn't, it isn't immediate. Like you give up caffeine one day and you can sleep that night. It really does take some time for your nervous system. So um, caffeine is a big one. Now I can drink coffee now, but you know, this is, uh, you know, 20, 30 years later. Um, so I like people to remember it's not forever. It's a really good and point you know, because we get that stuck in our head, right? That everything is like, it's forever and it's not. And nowadays, I mean, there's, you know, water processed decafs that taste lovely, you know, they, you know, um, so anyway, caffeine is the first one. Um, and that's a physical thing, right? So I always look at it as um, body, mind, and spirit. So our body is taken care of by giving up the caffeine and I'm a nutritionist, right? So I always look at people's diets. Like, what are you consuming? Do you have any food sensitivities? Because those can make you feel horrible. Mm -hmm. When we feel horrible, if we, hit, if we tend to lean towards being an anxious person or a nervous person, I mean, we come in with this, right? Then our mind can take over. We overstimulate our amygdala, our stress levels rise, and then we're caught in the loop. So it could be something as far as it could be gluten or wheat allergy or um, any kind of food because people are allergic to just about everything under the sun. Um, and that's easy enough to find out through um, testing. You can have that done even on your own now. So um, anything that you are eating or drinking alcohol. So then it comes down to alcohol and any um, recreational type drugs. A big one would be smoking pot, believe it or not. And a lot of people try to use it for their anxiety. Right. But 
the reality is that I'm not against that stuff at all. Like I really, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly cool with that. And, um, but it triggered my anxiety back in the day. Uh, so I know this firsthand because our bodies are also different. Your friend can do the same thing you're doing. It doesn't affect them the same way. So you just have to do this trial of taking all these things out. And, and just letting your nervous system find its way back to center again. Yeah. It's really about more about letting go of things than adding things, right? And just letting it center because our body knows what to do. We have both sides of that nervous system, right? It's like two wings and we need both of them to fly. But we want to make sure that we, the body can remember how to come back into the parasympathetic side of the nervous system again and when we're caught in that fear adrenaline fear loop we're not our amygdala is always on and looking for danger even if we're perfectly safe and snug as a bug in our bed yeah right? it's like yep. something and i just man i still i remember it um and so my heart has always gone out to people and now it's so prevalent it's so prevalent. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if you have any um, take on why, uh, you know, through what you have studied, but it's so prevalent right now. It is. That was one of the, one of my talking points. And, and thank you for, for saying all of that. Um, I think it's beautiful and how simple really, you know, to, because I work a lot with the nervous system as well with somatic mm -hmm. experiencing and allowing allowing our bodies to come back to that baseline and to really understand what that even is for us. Because I think for some of us, we don't, maybe we've never even experienced that. Um, yeah. you know, so it's, it really, it's beautiful the way you look at it as like experimental and exploratory. I think that's a really nice approach. Um, I like to work that way as well. So it makes it a little bit more interesting, I think, and, and fun and, and engaging. Exactly. We're just yeah. trying things out. Um, mm -hmm. And I love too how simple this concept of taking things away before we're adding medication and why that isn't a more prevalent approach in the medical community. I think it comes down to time. And I mean, yeah. I, you know, our healthcare system certainly has plenty of problems around time we actually are able to spend with, with patients and with people. So I love that approach. And that's something quite doable that people who maybe are struggling with anxiety and are looking for something to try can start with, you know, maybe tapering mm -hmm. off the caffeine and yeah. Tapering is a good point. Yes. <laughs> I've tried to quit cold turkey and it does not work well not for good. me. So, <laughs> so I don't advise it. Um, yeah. But I'm curious too, to your, to your point of why is it so prevalent? I mean, I think, you know, I have my own thoughts about it. I think part of it is we're never taught how to be present in our bodies and we're never mm -hmm. given tools to be able to manage anxiety or trauma. So we just continue to you know, have these things become stored and like pile up in our systems and in our physiology. And then it's like, we're so far removed from our baseline that like, we have no idea how to even get back there because we're not sure how to find it or, or what that even feels like. I think this, this dis disconnection from, um, and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say too. Mm -hmm. I think this disconnection from our, our bodies and our, and even like talking about the mind and body as separate, I'm starting yeah. to realize that just makes no sense. Like, no sense. But I'll ask people, you know, like, okay, what do you, you know, what are you noticing in your body or what kind of sensations are you noticing? And it's so difficult, you know, it's, it's really, especially when I first start working with people or they're not familiar with this work. And it's not that anyone's doing anything wrong. It's just that we're never taught how to, 
touch base with ourselves and how to be okay in our bodies and walk around grounded and present as who we are. Um, and so I think that's honestly like the, one of the biggest culprits is just this huge amount of, of disconnection and then all the, the stress and our society's kind of go, go, go methodology, which it's nice over there um, in, in Hawaii and island life is a bit slower paced. Yeah. Um, so that's a really, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I remember that. That was nice. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm, I'm curious what, what you have to say about, you know, the prevalence of this. And I guess in more ways we can kind of address it even in these little ways as we go through our lives. Yeah, having um, the fact that I had it so long ago, I wasn't with screens, right? I mean, mm -hmm. my first job out of uh, college times was I was a draftsman at Carrier Corporation. Um, I sat at a board, you know, I, I was drawing, I was doing big things like and I still had anxiety. I didn't have any screens, and we phones were still dial up where you pushed the mm -hmm. thing around. And uh, so it's a very different world. But and uh, now when I look back, I think a lot of people were anxious, but we didn't have a vocabulary for it. So I think um, it, you know, it's um, we find ways now to distract ourselves very easily from our bodies, from our connection to our whole being. Mm -hmm. So I think it may be growing a little bit out of that. And like you said, the body and mind are not separate things. Um, as we think, so our body reacts like this is totally together. And um, but I don't think even a lot of education around that. I don't think people understand that even. Um, no. I think they're, they're still I'm finding people when I, I talk about um, things like Dr. Sarno's work on the show or something and about uh, how he was a back surgeon and he cured pain from, he, he said, I started prescribing education. They had to come hear me talk three, three separate times because I stopped doing surgery. They didn't need it. Like it was, it was the connection because I think a lot of it comes, I believe, and we know more every year, which is exciting, right? We know more about the conscious mind and the subconscious. Every, every time you turn around, we know more. But so much of our life is stored subconsciously. Uh, or, and it does bubble up. And those are thoughts. And we aren't ever taught how to deal with that. Um, if we don't like it, we try to push back down again or remove it. Instead of processing it or being with it or understanding it so that it doesn't have to be underneath festering, 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 waiting for an opportunity to come forward again and get our attention to just be noticed. We don't, there's no, um, I, I just don't think there's enough education around it. We weren't, weren't taught. I was never taught anything. All of everything I learned about that was self-taught and um, then through later education things, courses and things I took. But um, the general public were just told to keep going, mm -hmm. even when we are in pain, whether it's psychological pain, emotional pain, or physical pain, just, you know, do the quick things you can do. But so much, and maybe I've gotten this more from being on an island, um, we need to rest. Yeah. We need to let go. Um, 
and I can still get caught up in working work, you know, oh, oh, gotta finish, gotta finish. Um, we just do so much better and it's so much healthier for us in the long term if we can stop, reconnect, right? Take some time. And that's why now, and I talk about this on the show all the time, we have to build in practices because our life is not lived like that. We don't come in from working in the fields all day to a nice hearty meal and then go to bed when it gets dark. We don't do that. So we have to build in practices such as it, for me and my and clients, it has been meditation and moving meditations also, Qigong, mm. uh, Tai Chi, yoga. Um, everybody is suited to different martial arts for some people. Um, people are suited to different things, but something that has an element of being able to meditate or have prayer time, whatever you want to call it, um, we need to have that time where we're just kind of with our own self and whatever thoughts are crossing us um, and just seeing them as that. And that has been, um, it sounds like such a simple thing. It's not easy, yeah. um, but it can make a world of difference, just like the caffeine and the letting go of things. Yeah. I think you hit it right on the, uh, right on the head. It's simple, but it's not easy, yeah. but it's, it's so profound too. those, you know, taking that time and, and I'm a big, I like that you mentioned the moving meditation, like, um, mm -hmm. Tai Chi and Qigong or yoga and, and that people are different, you know, are suited to different things, but I find so much of, I teach Qigong and I, I really mm. love Qigong for me. That's a lovely practice. Yeah. And, um, I like sitting meditation too, but I'm one of those I'm like a mover. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it feels really good to be in that like fluid flow state of, of moving, but being very present uh, yes. within the movement. And so I love, I love that practice. And I think because we are sitting more um, in our jobs than our lifestyle mm -hmm. these days, being able to incorporate and look at meditation, not just from a, a purely a sitting practice perspective, but mm -hmm. from a, some of these different movement uh, practices as well. I think that's a nice realization. And just another thing that people can incorporate. Um, yeah, so, it's important. Even standing. Even yeah. people who can't sit. And it was a Qigong teacher that I did a long practice with uh, standing meditation. And it's awesome. Like, I, I'm, you know, I, I learned to love that, too. I don't do it as much as I have in the past. But it's, it's awesome for those who just feel really edgy about sitting, you know, mm -hmm. or they fall asleep right? Yeah. One side or the other. So to stand and actually, oh, it's, it's a really good practice. And then again, learning something like Qigong or uh, a Tai Chi variation can be really helpful for those who can't uh, sit or to do both. Many, mm -hmm. You can add many things in. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's lovely. There is so much variety. And again, yeah. back to that experimental nature is you can try one thing and then try something else and yeah. see what works. And maybe some weeks or some days, one thing is going to work better for you. So it's nice to have this well-rounded, you know, toolkit or backpack mm -hmm. of tricks or however you like to look at that. Um, and I really like what you said too, about this quality of giving ourselves time to rest. And mm -hmm. I, I think we can't stress this enough. And and to note that rest isn't always like going to lay down, although sometimes it can be. Like I told you right before this, I had like an hour break in between my interviews and I was like, 
oh yeah, I'm sleepy. I'm going to take a little nap. And I've been doing that this week. And it's, it's really been profound for me to, instead of just being like, okay, I need to do, you know, there's always things to do. I think when always. you run a business or, you know, whatever, anything in life, we always have tasks. And to, to recognize that when we take that time to rest, we come back more energized and more enthusiastic and more present and able to like have interactions like this. And, um, it's been like, it's just something I've known, but it's been interesting this past week to do this like napping experiment with myself and, and really come back quite revived. And, um, I don't feel like I'm drudging to get through tasks. I'm like interested to get back to things that I care about. Yeah. Um, so that's and what's nice... beautiful about that is that that was good for you this week and it, you may not need it next week. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But so how do we learn to follow that? Right. How do we learn to, um, cue into that? It doesn't have to be just another thing we check off the list. A hundred percent. We have to check in and what do I need? What is this? What do I need today? Yeah. yeah. What are some ways that you found really helpful for increasing your own internal presence? I know we talked about some of the nutrition pieces and some of the mm -hmm. practices, but for you on a day-to-day, -day, um, how do you maintain that like ability to listen to your gut and ability to know, like, I need a nap today, or maybe I don't this mm -hmm. other day? Yeah, I think some of the like little key points can be like to, to face, first face exactly what's going on to look at it right another word could be to look at it but to face this reality today i'm tired right and then the second part would be to actually accept that i'm tired not to fight it mm -hmm. right and believe me i'm there's no perfection some days fall off of this other days i follow it well but to be able to accept that whatever it is it could be the tiredness pain anything and then to be able to um, face the reality that, that this is what I have now, what am I going to do with it? And to make a wise de decision there versus just the rote, get it, but I have to get through this list of things or, um, you know, I have so many errands to run or I have kids to pick up. I know I've lived that busy life too in the past, and, but we have to build in so we face, accept, and, um, and then we can actually give ourselves a little pause. And I like these little pauses where you can just take some time because you just need to recenter again. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a big ordeal. It doesn't have to be you sit down and meditate for an hour or, but to build in pauses in your life, such as um, when you're getting into the car, like my, one of mine is whenever I sit in that driver's seat, you know, we automatically put a seatbelt on. Well, you can automatically just take a breath there too and think about, you know, what is it that my body is feeling and needing? What is it that I have faced today? And what do I have to accept about this body? And then what can I do with it and make a wise decision? So, and but we have to have that pause in order to do it. So everybody can find their own places. Um, it can be, I've had many clients um, we're changing from work life to going home was a big, it actually was a stressor because they still were hanging on to the work mm -hmm. and then they still had a, what's waiting for me at home. Um, and so they would actually use that time, whether it was the drive or the commute on the train, whatever, to listen to something that could help them center if they needed a guided 
type of thing, or some people get beyond the guided and they just can go into their own center. And even five minutes of that, whether you're driving and just using your senses to look at the trees, to smell the air, to feel the wind on, or the air conditioner, whatever it is, on your body, like to, you know, use your five senses and help those to bring you back into your body. So you can know, okay, I'm a little worked up about work still. Hmm, I, you know, I can, I can face it. I can accept it. Now what am I going to do about it? Maybe I can put that on the back burner because I'd like to be fresh when I get home. Or um, maybe I can jot down some ideas of what I need to do so I don't feel so pressured about it. But we have to have that little bit of a pause in order to make a different decision. And I think that's what happens with nowadays with so many distractions such as our screens. Our phone is always with us. There's always something on there wanting our attention. And so we don't use a pause to just pay attention to what is my body's notification, right? What is my mind needing? My psyche, do I need to come do something to calm myself down or do I need to expend energy because I'm too bottled up and need to go for a swim or a run or even just, you know, walk around the block, you know? Yeah. So I think it's those kind of things that I don't even remember the original question (laughs) Um, because I just going off into what I'm always talking about, which is trying to give our nervous system a break. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said earlier, it knows what to do. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about our bodies is we have this built-in barometer, like that's always available to us. If we just, like you so eloquently said, like take time to build those pauses. And I think that's such a wonderful piece of advice. Um, And it doesn't always have to be a big deal. Like, um, and I think around transitions, as you mentioned, I know that's come up for me with a few of my clients as well. This, this thing of like leaving work or um, even like tucking the kids in bed and Mm -hmm. particularly for Mm -hmm. women that are, um, trying to give up alcohol or not to rely on that. Okay. This is the next thing I do now, but to pause and really check in and see like, maybe I need to do some stretching right now or go outside for a little walk, take a look at the moon or, um, you know, whatever's happening where you live. Um, but I think that's just, it's so wise. And again, so simple just to build, you can build pauses into your life and it, it, it's like, we're, we're almost like addicted or habituated so much to this lifestyle of like, if we're not constantly in motion, then we're somehow lazy or something's, right. something's wrong. And I think changing that like concept um, or that idea around productivity in general, I think starting to like chip away at that and shift awareness around that is something that's, that could be really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Because the reality is the, more that we can center ourselves and ground ourselves, we're way more productive. Yeah. Than just trying to burn that midnight oil. Um, and you just know, and you know, some days I feel like I could work for 12, 14 hours, and other days, like three hours or five hours. And it's like, you're just because we're not static beings, we're mm-hmm. always in flux. And it's actually quite wonderful to be able to know what you need. And so I, what I want to tell your listeners is not to be disappointed if you check in with yourself and you don't know, 
Yes. Like it happens. Like, especially when you first start asking, I don't know, like, mm -hmm. what do I feel? Um, so just go with that. I don't know. I don't know right now. So maybe I'll try this or I'll try that. Um, and, and just use that as part of the experiment. I tried this, didn't make me feel better, but actually sitting still and just staring out the window with a, a warm cup of herbal tea felt good. It just let me take a good exhale, which brings me to the breathing. I probably would be remiss if I didn't hit on breathing before. Please. Um, because obviously food and taking things out is important and meditation is important. But one of the key elements, again, for me, I remember being in my natural products store and having had a couple of days of being able to really take my nervous energy way down by how I was breathing. I wanted to tell the whole world. People would come in and they'd be in the book section or something and they'd be talking about they were stressed and I'd be like, oh, put that book down. I just need to tell you what to do, right? I forgot I was trying to sell things to make a living, but <laughs> that was okay. Um, because the breathing and it don't even need to do anything um, that you need to be quote trained in. It doesn't need to be complicated. The very first thing to learn to do is to slow your exhalation. Not even think about your inhale. For me and for the people that I've worked with all these years now, to slow that exhalation longer and slower and let the inhale take care of itself as long as your belly is relaxed and there's somewhere for your lungs to expand. We're doing so many things all at once just by doing that that um, it makes me want to take one of those breaths right now. Um, that it just changes everything. It can change everything in minutes. I, I was sure at that point that I could breathe myself into a panic or out of a panic attack. And so I think this is really a big one for, and I'm sure you talk about this in your practice, you know, in, in uh, helping people, um, that the breath is such a, a huge part of how we're, um, talking the mind talking or the body talking to the brain and the brain talking back down to the body or the mind talking to the body it is the breath that's carrying a lot of that information so long slow exhalations give the belly a relaxed area buddha belly i call it i don't mm -hmm. know i always wearing yoga pants or exercise pants now so it's easy and then it stimulates the vagus nerve, which stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. And we're the, the mind that that amygdala is given the order to stand down. There's no problem here. Relax. And your friend can tell you forever to relax. But once you do that breath and the body tells the mind and the brain, this is all good right now. We can relax, really can start making a big difference. I love that you said that. And I know that that longer exhale, um, it does stimulate that vagus nerve. And is this something I, I have a question with and I'll bring up in my next um, training module too for my somatic experiencing work is this idea of when is it, when is it better to go ahead and, and consciously kind of change our breath versus when is it better to, and, and I'm curious what your thoughts are too. I'm just sort of musing, like when is it better to not try to like consciously override 
our breath and our system and just to like really observe what's happening. Because sometimes I caution against doing too much like facilitated breath work, even though I know there's so much truth in what you're and what you're saying in that longer exhale, it will get you like in that more parasympathetic state. So it's a wonderful practice. But when when is it better to just let that natural breath um, just to observe what's what's happening versus um, like go ahead and, and saying, okay, I need to kind of bring it down. Let me do a little bit of a breath work practice. What's your experience with that? Yes, obviously, very good point that we need to observe it first. And usually by the time people are talking to me, they have been observing how their breath is for a long time when they're really on the edge. Mm -hmm. They know that they're breathing from the upper third of their lungs and they're just, it's fast and it's shallow and that they feel horrible. Yeah. Because what they should be doing then is running. And I remember that feeling. I was standing at a drafting board feeling like I just want to run out the building around the block and then I can come back in. And it like made no sense to me, but that's how my breathing was. That was the message I was sending is that I needed to be running because that's how I would be breathing if I were Um, needing to get out of, then the breath would have changed automatically by itself, right? Mm -hmm. So, but to observe it, because that's probably a good thing to just teach people early on is where are, where is it at? You know, just watch it and see where it's at. And if it is shallow and fast, and it's making you feel really uncomfortable, um, because I'm totally with you on there's a big thing like, right, people will come to. To me and say that they have taken sophisticated yogic breathing that is not appropriate for what. They're doing. They're, they're stressed, a big breath practice right now. But like you said, to be able to observe where it's at. And then I would add if they were breathing fast and shallow, to just slow the exhale, not worry about the inhale. That'll take care of itself, but to let it go just a little longer and slower because it's, I even, even just saying it, I can feel my muscles wanting to relax mm -hmm. a little bit and just slows you down a little bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah great point. That's, and I appreciate your input on that because that's something I wonder about as well as mm -hmm. when is the, the better time to introduce that. and. I think certainly too, when there is that, those really high levels of anxiety, you know, let's calm the system down. Yeah. Um, and then I had a question too, this actually came up uh, with some, with the group I was working with last night and we sort of talked it out and I had my two cents around it, but I thought it would be fun since we were talking today to get your perspective on it, of the situation of being in, being in a social setting and having um, kind of like, I guess, an, an angry response from another another person, and we're mm -hmm. all, you know, masked up and dealing with COVID-19 over here still. Um, but kind of the, I guess, the appropriate way to have a response that feels both like present and kind of grounded in oneself, but but also, this might be kind of a weird or big question, but mm -hmm. also like able to sort of be assertive, but not be, because my client who was talking about this or my group participant was saying that she, 
she kind of felt like attacked, but she didn't, and she wasn't sure how to handle it. And she was trying to be nice to him. Um, so I'm curious, just, I guess, in any kind of social settings where mm-hmm. things come up that feel like our fight or flight does get a bit triggered okay. or stimulated, even though we consciously know we're not really under attack. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you suggest in those moments? Yeah, again, that's observing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, facing what's happening. That's what I call facing. It's like, oh, this is what I'm doing right now. My heart rate is up. I feel a little sweaty maybe. Um, But then we have to take that pause again and let the wise mind speak, right? Not just the um, fight or flight response. Uh, You know, because often, especially if you've been doing it a long time, an angry, even an angry look from somebody can trigger um, a reaction, Mm -hmm. right? It's knee jerk. It's just go into it. So I think the way that we get away from that is that pause. Like maybe it's just a breath. Maybe you just notice. You can, and you, after you do this for a while, it just becomes very um, natural. Um, At first it may feel very cumbersome. I'm in the middle of this conversation and now I'm having to think about how I'm feeling, but just to notice, okay, things, I'm, things are rising up for me. How can I respond in a way that I want to respond, not in um, the, the knee-jerk reaction? So I don't know your client or, or um, student, but how, you know, we all can have those reactions where it mm-hmm. just happens. And we can get out of that. And that's why we want to just check in, notice, okay, this is a fight-or-flight response for me. Hmm, but I'm really safe. I'm safe, so I can hold my ground. I can say what I mean because I'm safe. Because maybe at some point you wouldn't be safe and you need to know that and then you need to take appropriate action in that way. But I think taking that pause, and I use the breath for that. Like, okay, just let me breathe here for one breath like before I say because boy, those words come up right away. So fast. <laughs> those reaction words, and those are not always the most appropriate words, or even what we really want to do. It's just an old habit. So mm-hmm. yeah, and those are hard to break, meaning that it just takes time. But again, time is is one of the elements to healing. So yeah, yeah. I love that. I think that pause comes in so handy for so many things. Um, particularly because we are in this digital, very fast paced world. It's so easy mm-hmm. to shoot, shoot back a text message or an email. And yeah, I started practicing a pause a few years ago um, in some form when I first got sober and it's so handy just to not just to pause and be like, Oh, yeah. is, this, is this really a reflection of who, of who I am or am I just reacting? And um, I think it certainly can be more challenging when, when faced with those situations and there's someone in front of you and, and you're not sure um, how to respond, but I like yes. that that sense and this is kind of what we talked about in, in the group was that like pulling back to the observer yeah. mind and noticing like what's actually happening here and mm-hmm. um but I like I like the uh I like the ability just to to know that we can pause it really any time. And we have a choice. We have the power. Yes. Yeah. But because we live in this fast pace, we think we have to react answer everything right away. Every text and email needs to be answered and no. And even in the in-person, you can always, always, you know, choose to not respond. Or if it feels like the only thing that's going to come out 
is an old reaction that you don't want to be a part of, you can always just shut it down, excuse yourself. I mean, we do have that choice and that power to be able to move into a different direction. But we don't always give ourselves that power. We think we're at the whim of the other people. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point too, just to recognize that we do have a choice to walk yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. Not, not respond. Or tell them we'll get I'll back, get back to another time, or maybe I don't want to have this conversation right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Especially as women, we don't do that. Yeah. We don't get, give ourselves the permission to leave it. Yeah. 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 It's a really good, good reminder. And it's, it's like a nice sense of uh, creating, you know, good, healthy boundaries for ourselves without, without it having to be this whole thing. Because I think sometimes the conversation around, around boundaries, which is a good conversation to have, um, but I think to know that sometimes it can just be that simple of like, you know what, mm-hmm. I, I, right now this isn't for me. I'm going to take five minutes. I'll get back to you. Yeah. And that's, that's perfectly acceptable. Yes, it is. That's just reminder. taking care of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gina, thank you so much for coming on to speak with me today. Is there, um, I always like to give people kind of a a platform to present. If you have anything happening right now, you'd like to let the audience know about or any um, last tips or bits of insight that you feel would be helpful for you to share. Um, Yeah. um, I just, I guess that feel, I want to be sure everybody knows that they can do this. Um, You know, I was in a pretty dark hole. I had extreme anxiety i had panic panic attacks at certain points um and if i could do that long before there were people to talk to about it that that you totally have hope and um and to just give yourself credit for um taking even a little bit of information and going forward uh with it because it takes time takes consistency but it takes self-kindness self-compassion and um and we're the only ones that can do that for ourselves. So yeah, um, yeah. keep that in mind. And you can find me anxietycoachespodcast.com uh, and I'm anxiety underscore coach on Instagram. Other than that, yeah, okay. good well, enough. I'll yeah. make sure we, we have all your links and everything in the show notes too. Alice, thank you so much for having me. So delightful to spend time with you. You're welcome. Likewise. Thank you so much for being here.